Welcome back, y'all. Welcome back. We are here. Some dude show live on AMP once again. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Mental Health Mondays. I got my co-host pulling up downtown Lexi Brown. The sharpshooter, Anthony Morrow, coming from Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm going to let the people start to come in. Let's activate the chat. I see Amo. I see Amo is pulling up. How y'all feeling today, man? Most importantly, how is everybody feeling today? How was your weekend? You know, I've been, I've been, I've been labeling myself. I've been calling myself Oceanfront Cuffington, you know, the last couple of weeks. But this past weekend, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm Mountain Views Cuffs now. I feel like Mountain Views Cuffs had a nice weekend in the mountains of North Carolina. And I must say, not to brag, I don't mean to brag. But I will say, North Carolina, I love you. The home state, we got the beaches on one side. We got the pristine mountains on the west side. It's a beautiful place, Ant. Would you agree, my, my NC brethren? Brother, I ain't gonna lie, bro. You're completely right. And I'll tell you like this. I'm more of a beach guy than a mountains guy. Me too. Because driving up there is kind of rough. I got my pickup truck now, though, so we we have fun in the mountains, man. But you're right. Beautiful countryside, beautiful weather. Don't get too cold. It's been really hot this summer, but it don't get too cold in the winter. You can go to get the cabin up there in the mountains in the wintertime and chill. It's a beautiful state, man. Y'all should come visit. Just don't move here. We we fool. Leave us alone. <laughs> we fool right now. We Charlotte, fool. We fool, Charlotte man. Charlotte is fool, bro. Charlotte mm -hmm. is fool. Raleigh-Durham area. It's full, bro. But how how you feeling, man? How was your weekend, man, at the crib? Man, oh man, it's amazing, brother. Can't complain, man. Been excited about this episode. But kids started school today, so you know, just doing kids. a little bit. Shout out to Shout all out the to kids the... going back to school, man. Shout out to y'all. Yeah. I will say, I was very emotional this weekend, Anthony. Man, like I went to the mountain. I believe it. I took my beautiful daughter to the mountain. She wanted to go. It was her last weekend before school started back today. And I will say, my Sir. baby girl, my youngest, she is a senior in high school, bro. Like, I'm really... <laughs> that's... Bro. I know, bro. Man, what, the first... That's great, bro. The first show I came I came on with you was when I signed with Jersey in, like, 2010. Yes, way back. And I remember she, I was in my... Was like, yeah. She was, like, four years old then. Three or four years old. Yeah, bro. And, you know, that was when my, my, my daughter's... My daughter's 14. She started high school like three weeks ago. She in Atlanta. Like, like two and a half, three weeks ago. And I had that emotional. It's different with the girls, man. The boys, we feel a great way, but with the girl, I only got one. So with her, it was like, damn. She in high school, freshman, volleyball. Conversations is different now. And the rise from Charlotte to Atlanta. She ain't talking. She on social media with her friends, FaceTime, and listen. Got me listening to all this music. I don't want to hear with these young people. You know how I go, Cuff. <laughs> yo, Lexi. You know how I Lexi. go, bro. <laughs> we got downtown Lexi Brown pulling up. My other wonderful co-host, Lexi. I know you can relate. I know you can relate. When when you be, when you became a high school singer, I know your mom and dad. They was very emotional, like I am right now, seeing my baby girl. Look, I remember the school pics when she was third and fourth grade. Now she's a senior. She's standing about six foot tall, long legs. I don't know what I'm gonna do, Lex. 
I think. Well, how many? Wait, how many kids do you have? I have I have two adult kids. My oldest is twenty one, and my son is twenty, and my youngest this is, is seven. Oh yeah. So when I I'm the oldest, so I was like, they were like kind of sad, but they're like, we still got three more after you. So <laughs> yeah, three more after you. Yeah. So like now my brother is a senior. He's the baby, and it's like the end of the world for my parents. Oh, like, I saw, you, they can't I saw you with your baby brother. You had him out in L.A. with you out there in yeah, L.A. this yeah. time. He grown and sexy. I almost took him out to the club with me, try to sneak him in, but we were too tired, so we didn't go. But, uh, yeah, like, everyone's grown. Like, my other sister just turned 21, so she's, like, out having drinks oh, at dinner fun. with everybody. Oh, and it's insane. It's ridiculous. But I love yeah. it. Activate the chat. I see my guy Todd Dex in the chat. Activate the chat. People still coming in. And shout out to everybody going back to school, all the kids. But let me ask y'all, what is y'all favorite? Lexi, Aunt, what are some of your favorite back to school snacks? Back to of school. All time? What? So go. <laughs> Go ahead, Lexi. You go first. Hey, the first lady. Go first. I was a little Debbie guy as a kid. I remember eating hot Cheetos at like 9.45 a.m. <laughs> class in the machine, which is insane. Wow. But that was the thing. Hot Cheetos. And I don't really like them that much anymore, but like that was a snack. Everybody, everyone had to have some hot Cheetos. What was your favorite back to school snack in Charlotte, man? Man, I was the it was the it was the um the strawberry shortcake joints you get from like the hood stores. It's like three yeah. of them. They red with like the coconut on them with the cream inside. Paul, oh, y'all so y'all got sweet tooth snacks. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I I can't eat that like I used to, but that that was my you know I go to school on the bus. Can't nobody get that. I'm not sharing with nobody. Bro, we got a uh, we got a we got a OG pulling up tonight. We got one of my favorites in the media. She she keeps it spicy, and that's why I always respect this lady. Give y'all a quick story, man. She was one of the first people on a major platform like ESPN to have me on her show back in like 2012, 2013. Her and Michael Smith, his and hers podcast. And that was back before podcast was even a thing like it is now. So we're going to have one of the OGs pull up, man. How y'all feel about that tonight? Because we've seen we've seen our, our guest, Jamel Hill. We've seen her in the headlines dating back to the Donald Trump shit. But now, how y'all feel about Jamel pulling up live tonight? I'm excited. I've never, I've never talked to Jamel before. I've only seen her on the Twitter and on TV. So this is, this is going to be dope. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we I, just... I, Go ahead. Oh, no, I live. No, I mean, I'm I'm super excited. Like I, we only talk like on social media, you know, stuff like that. But um, I'm very excited. I think that, you know, her and Mike was pioneers. You know, like Lexi said, and um, you know, we'll get into it. So I'm I'm really excited because I got a homeboy that's from Detroit that I think might know her. He might tap in today too. But, uh, you know, he always spoke very highly of it before. So I'm excited about it for real. So we're going to set the tone right here. We live. Some dude show. Cuffs the legend. Anthony Morrow. Lexi Brown. We're going to set the tone. We're going we gonna to do this the right way. You know, our guest, Jamel Hill, she's a Detroit native, born and raised in the D. 
So I'm going to set the tone with a little baby face, Ray. We're going to set the tone live right here on AMP. Some dude show. Yes, sir. That's that baby face Ray, Detroit's own baby face Ray. We live on AMP, y'all. Some do show. I got one of my favorite OGs in the sports media, one of my favorite all-time journalists. She from the trenches of Detroit, like I said. She just pulled up live to the Some Do show. One of my favorites, Jamel Hill, the thrill. You can see her on the Atlantic writing those articles. She on Spotify hosting her podcast. Jamel Hill, Michigan State alum. Welcome to the Some Do Show, OG. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You know, I always love to kick it with you because I know you specialize in keeping it real. Keeping it spicy, Jamel. We got to keep it spicy tonight. So how, how's your summer been so far? Busy, especially the last month. Um, I've been vacationing uh, quite a bit. Usually August is the time because I usually build in a pretty robust vacation around my husband's birthday. But this is a month of celebration. I have my best friend from high school celebrating retiring from the military. I have another really good friend of mine celebrating her 40th birthday. So I'm doing a lot of celebrating and partying in the month of August, bleeding into September. <laughs> so speaking of that, vacationing, you lead me right into what I wanted to ask you first. You're a Michigan State alum. You're a proud Spartan. And we talk about vacation. I've been sitting back on Twitter, Jamel, and I've been inspired. I've been motivated. I've been watching Irvin Magic Johnson, your fellow Sparty alum, 
I've been watching Magic Johnson stun on us. He been flexing on us on Instagram, on Twitter. It's Magic Johnson, the greatest vacationer. Because it's black excellence. That's what I'm seeing. Is he the, is Magic the greatest vacationer we've ever seen? I just know that every time I look at his pictures, they call me broke. And I just was <laughs> yes, like, how, yes. how, how do I get in the clip? But I was like, I want to be in the clip because, as you know, he always goes on vacation with Sam Jackson and his wife. Uh, I think LL Cool J and his wife. Um, I saw that uh, Judge Mathis, another Detroit finest. Um, he joined him as well. And I, I think it was even Michael Jordan at some point. But they spent basically more than a month um uh, you know uh, across the amalfi coast and the mediterranean and I, I just i just hope one day i can experience such wealth such opulence such as you so appropriately put it such black ex excellence you know i'm still doing things on a on a junior level right i'm i'm, I'm trying to graduate and get to the higher level we're junior varsity vacationers right now you know i was at the omni in Asheville this past weekend you know the rooms like 500 smackaroos and i'm thinking to myself like, yo, Magic Johnson, this is nothing to Magic. Like, Magic Johnson is on, I call it the Magic Johnson International Lampoon Summer Vacation Tour. That's what I call it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I listened. I thought I was doing something this year because I surprised my husband and took him to Seychelles on the eastern coast of Africa for his birthday. <laughs> Yeah, and when I looked at Magic Pictures, I was like, man, I still got about five, six levels to go before I can get there. <laughs> Yo, we live on AMP right now with the wonderful Jamel Hill. I got my co-host, Lexi Brown, downtown Lexi Brown, Anthony Morrow, 10-year vet. You're from Detroit, Jamel. I want to ask you this before we get started. You're from Detroit. You rep your city, Pistons, Tigers. You, you've been an icon from your city. But please tell me, have you been watching Tubi? Do you know about Tubi movies <laughs> and Detroit Tubi? Tell me you tapped in, Jamal. Uh, okay, I'm not tapped all the way in. And it's it's really a, a painful admission because one, so many of my friends watch it. And two, one of my husband's best friend is an actor who is featured very prominently on Tubi. And I have not been able to watch the madness. But don't worry, I, I will be joining the hive. I'm going to be joining the Tubi hive very shortly. I just... This month, I hadn't had the time, but one of my girls was like, listed about 12 movies that I need to watch. Of course, I see the clips. I see that, um, you know, there's some shoddy editing, to say the least, but, you know, that's part of the charm. That's part of the appeal. So, I mean, I'm not mad at it. Detroit Tubi. Detroit Tubi is its own subcategory right now. Detroit Tubi. No, you, you ain't lying. No, I mean, it's like, it's a serious detroit hive that like is so into tubi and so I, i'm tired of being left out the club so i, I will be joining i'll report back <laughs> we live right now jamel hell anthony morrow i know you wanted to ask jamel you watched her on sports center all those years she was a tycoon in the game and a trendsetter for for like i don't i don't want to call are we journalists jamel are we considered journalists now so here's the thing um you know, this is a question I think some people, uh, I, I don't remember who did the, oh, I know what it was. It was Drink Champs, right? When Drink Champs came, when they had uh, Kanye West on, and a lot of people were very critical of the interview that Noriega did with Kanye West because there are some very serious, tough questions he needs to be asked. And what I would say is this, being a journalist is not decided based off education. It's not decided based off, um, you went to the School of Journalism, but I do think that there's a particular methodology to our craft that 
um, while it's not necessarily one way, but you need to be able to ask difficult questions and not backpedal into questions. Like I tell, and you need curiosity, um, accuracy, fairness, all those things. That's part of the journalistic, um, you know, kind of ethos. That's what we kind of grew up learning how to do. It's still a who, what, when, where, why business. All right. And so you have to be able to ask these critical questions. And I don't mean just tough questions or questions that like try to put people on blast or trolling questions, but like seriously legitimate tough questions. And I felt like, or I feel like what happens now is that a lot of people feel like just because they have a microphone and an avenue to talk that that makes them journalists. And I'm not sure that that's, you know, the standard. And it's also like, who do you have to answer to as well? What are the stakes? Like, I can't, if I write something in the Atlantic that is not accurate, that is bad, I have someone to answer to, my boss, okay? I have a public to answer to. I have the people that I write to answer to. And so sort of the way that it used to be done, you know, when I was coming up as a journalist, as a newspaper reporter, TV was not the, my first entry point into this business. It was print newspaper reporting, which to me is the lifeblood of what journalists do, is that if I wrote a critical column or story about an athlete, you know what I had to do? I had to go in the locker room the next day and face that person. And I think right. that kind yeah. of that kind of accountability is what makes you a journalist. You have to be accountable to something. You just can't have a microphone and just be talking. I'm gonna let my co-host tap in, but I, I will to add to your point. That was an excellent point, Jamel. You're kind of saying like, what happened to the integrity? That's what I feel like on the outside looking in. I feel like the integrity is not the same in sports media with a lot of journalists. Cause I feel like everybody's kind of like selling their soul now just to go viral right now. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. I think you see quite a bit of that. And, um, you know, I, I, the thing is like ESPN, the impact that they've had on sports media has been so significant on so many levels. And when I did, you know, ESPN with, with Michael Smith, my, my former television partner, we used to say it all the time. We were joking, but we were also very serious. We used to call ourselves former journalists uh, once we got on air. And the reason we called ourselves former journalists is because, see, when I'm doing his and hers, my job is to entertain you. I'm not really in a journalistic function. I'm talking shit about sports. I'm, you know, yes, I'm relaying news and sports of the day, but that's not really the function of what I do. Like I said, the accountability part has to be there. Like Adam Schefter is a journalist. Like he's reporting on the NFL. If he gets information wrong, he has to answer for that wrong information. So it's, I think television has really blurred the lines of what and how journalism is supposed to be performed. Jamel, do you think that um, the pandemic kind of had a lot to do with this? You know, it got to a point where we couldn't see these journalists face to face anymore. And there was kind of like an influx of, you know, Twitter, Twitter journal, Twitter, Twitter media people, um, you know, cause you just had to get access to like a zoom link or something to, to, to ask questions and hold interviews. Do you think that that has impacted how, you know, uh, journalists interact with athletes or celebrities or whoever they're interviewing because there was so much lack of face to face communication for so long? Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, the way, like I, um, I went to cover um, Brittany Griner's uh, first game back and, uh, you know, uh, it was really interesting to me because, uh, you know, they put me on the media list. So you're getting notes from the game, Zoom links. Like I never even had to go to the game if I wanted to cover her being back. I literally could have watched it on ESPN, waited on the Zoom link, and then that was it. 
but that's not how the job is supposed to be done. You have to have that face-to-face. You have to have that feel. Like, yeah, I can watch it on ESPN and see that she got a standing ovation, but what does it feel like to be there? That's something I need to be able to communicate to the people who are listening or reading me when I talk about her experience and what it was like to get back. And of course, I had some a little bit of one-on-one time with, with Brittany and, and was able to um, to talk to her. And I wouldn't trade that for a Zoom link where there's, you know, who knows how many reporters on this link. It's not face-to-face. And while, yeah, when you go to uh, cover games, you are in a scrum and you might be in a locker room where it's like, you know, 20, 30 reporters in there. You, you guys are kind of fighting, you know, for space and to get your question heard. But I think that lack of face-to-face has certainly turned um, journalism in a bad direction because I do think because journalists and even commentators and pundits and columnists don't have to often face the subject they're writing about, that yeah. makes them way too comfortable getting personal with these guys. Yeah, yeah. they're talking crazy. They talk, a cra- they talk real crazy <laughs> to some of these athletes now, even on Twitter. Yeah, they, yeah it, they do yeah. because they know they, never have, they know they never have to see them. And the thing is, like, there used to be a penalty. The penalty would be, and that's not to say the athletes were always right, because I've had plenty of black and force with with athletes and i've been able to credibly defend my my work it never got personal they might not have liked the way i characterized something they might have thought i was being too critical you know one of those we could have that back and forth all day i'll defend my work based off my reporting and you know what i feel like are accurate statements but i think what happens now particularly when journalists start becoming a little bit of celebrities they feel more empowered to say things to these guys that they normally Absolutely. would not say, you know, they normally would not say to their faces. And I think it makes us look bad. Um, and now there are times where you do definitely have to credibly defend your work. And sometimes you're in the right. But the penalty used to be like, I do like it, especially if you cover the team. And see, that's the thing. It's unfortunate because people don't know a lot about the beat writers who cover a particular team day in and day out. They're the ones on the ground. They're doing the hard stuff. But an athlete might yeah. not speak to your ass for like two or three months if you like. I mean, it might happen. So that's the <laughs> that you might face if you fuck around and like cross a line or there's a boundary. Now, if a dude just getting sensitive, that's another thing, and you just have to be like, well, you just we ain't talking in. It's just what it is. But I do think because that lack of sort of locker room code has been taken out of sports journalism, it has made sports journalists. Um, it, it's just taken a lot of the accountability out of what we do. Like, and you've been Absolutely. in those locker, you've been in those locker rooms, and you've been somebody that was, was covered by the media. I know you got a unique perspective, like listening to what Jamel's saying. Like, you've been in that, you've been in that locker room. You've seen guys with microphones shoved in their face. I know you've seen some wild stuff, man. Absolutely, brother. I played with Stephen Jackson, Paul's. <laughs> guys like that, that they're not going to hold their tongue. You know what I mean? They're not going to hold back on what they're going to say. And um, Jamel, just to let you know, I, you know, you you and Mike were, I feel like, like Lexi said, the culture shifters. And then y'all went out on the limb and y'all still doing your thing. But, um, and of course, you doing your thing. You being from Detroit, one of my closest homies, Andre Hess, is from Detroit. You went to Michigan State. Um, I just kind of wanted to know what got you into journalism because you are kind of one of those people that's like a pioneer for like the podcasters and the radio show 
posting everybody now. And what you're doing now is amazing. And you're still inspiring people. What got you into journalism when you were, you know, at Michigan State, you know, even high school and growing up? Well, I, I love sports. Um, I, honestly, I can't remember not loving sports. So it was just something I gravitated mm -hmm. to early. I was the neighborhood tomboys to play sports, um, uh, you know, with the, the little boys in my neighborhood. I was a pretty decent athlete, I like to think. I played a fast pitch um, softball in high school, started my entire time in high school, played travel ball and, uh, and all of that, and got some small college um, interest. And so I love sports. I love reading and I love writing. I also couldn't do math and I hated science. So that narrowed the field. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That narrowed the field really, really easy for me. So in high school, I took a high school journalism class and you had to write for the high school newspaper as part of taking the class. And so once I understood the kind of stories it was possible to tell in sports, um, that there was, while the results obviously matter, but there was something even beyond the results of like finding out who these incredible players and coaches, who they were. And even when it came to certain situations, like the first big story I ever wrote was when Chris Webber called the timeout because his mother worked at my high school. And so I went to interview wow. her about this moment. Yes, his mother was, was a teacher at my high school. And I went to interview her about this moment and what it meant and what was the impact of that. And so that's what I loved about sports, of course. Everybody was just clowning Chris Webber. I mean, he was the, that was such a, a shameful moment um, in his college career, even though he's, you know, one of the greatest college players that ever played. But it was like one of those moments right. that unfortunately is going to be forever etched in history. And so to hear from her perspective, what the impact of your son being ridiculed nationally like that, that just taught me a real lesson about the power and the impact of sports. I was also drawn to sports because if you think about it in our society, as you see, especially in present day, it's pretty divided. It's pretty polarizing. The one thing that brings right. people together is, is sports. Very few things in this country do, but like you can have people from different ethnicities, different socioeconomic backgrounds, but they can all be Laker fans or they can all be fans of the Pistons or all be fans of the Carolina Panthers. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. That's what it, we all are team USA when it comes to the Olympics. And I love that ability of sports to bring people together. And later on, as my career progressed, I love the fact that sports could tell a story about a problem, an issue happening in larger society in a way that might make people listen differently. Yo, that's dope right there. We live that's on dope. that right now. Jamel Hill, The Thrill, Cuffs the Legend, Lexi Brown, Anthony Morrow. I got to keep it spicy now. That was great. That was all fine and dandy. Jamel, we got to keep it spicy on here. I want to talk about what's going on that I see, what we all see. I want to talk about these gatekeepers in the media, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like some of the biggest gatekeepers in sports media, it be our own people sometimes. How do you feel about that? Because I want to say that to you because... I know I can reach out to you, you, Carrie, certain people that I look up, I revere. Y'all the real OGs. Y'all don't understand how dope it is and how inspiring it is to have y'all one phone call, one text away. Growing up, like I said, seeing y'all on Sports Center, right? Pioneers. But you put me on your platform back in like 2012, 2013, his and hers. You and Michael Smith put me on there. DJ Khaled. It was right after the Miami Heat won the championship, LeBron's first ring. Never yep. forget that moment pulling over on the side of the highway, doing the show with y'all. 
you didn't have to do that for me. Like you didn't have to reach back. Like you didn't have to reach back and say, yo, you could have been like big time at me and say, yo, he a social media guy on Twitter. You know, he's, he's nobody special, but that right there, you don't understand what that did for me and my confidence. Like I was already a confident guy, you know, but like that put me to another level. Cause I'm like, yo, they really, they really watching us. So, but I see now is I don't want to say no names, but it's certain people in the media that have like the ability to reach back because they see what we're doing. Like they put our say the names, bro. Say the names. Like they put our tweets. They put, look, they, they put our yeah. Tweets. I mean, I think um, you got it right. And then uh, yeah, yeah. No, what right. I would say is that um, I do think I, I do wonder if there. Yeah, I do wonder if there is some level of um, you know, I, you know. There's a when you I guess when you have been taught that sports journalism is, is supposed to be done a certain way. Like I came through a very traditional path. I studied journalism, as I just mentioned to you all a, a moment ago, I've been writing about sports since high school. Studied journalism at Michigan State, had five internships, then worked at, you know, three or four different newspapers before I ever even got to ESPN. When I got and there, I came there to Raleigh. Yeah, Raleigh News and Observer, yep, being one, one of my stops. My first job out of college covering, um, I was a general assignment sports reporter, so I was covering everything across the board. And I think maybe some of us are guilty of having too traditional of a mindset and thinking that sports can either only be talked about or only be positioned in one or two ways, as opposed to now that I think with the complete um, explosion of social media that, you know, you have to get non-traditional and allow for other voices um, as well, you know, and um, but I will say this though, it is, you know, now, nowadays, um, it, it is very hard to be on TV four or five days a week, every single day, creating content. That is like, I look back on the fact that I was on TV for, I think what, five straight years every day. And I can't believe I was that crazy. I was like, what? Every day? Like they ain't enough to talk about every day. <laughs> it's just not. <laughs> it's just not. So, you know, I, I think it's just um, maybe too much uh, of a allegiance to traditionalism and, you know, not understanding that part of the reason why you see so many athletes, I think, that have their own podcasts, have their own platforms, are developing their own media companies is because they got tired. And they got tired of the mm -hmm. fact that they, you know, you know, you come out of a game, Anthony, you go and look in the media scrum and Ain't nobody in there that look like you. And they got sick of that. And they got tired of, because of that, there were certain narratives and a, a lot of misunderstandings, a lot of cultural misunderstanding, a lot of it purposely. And they got tired of dealing with that. They said, you know what? Y'all keep doing it the way y'all want to do it. We're going to create our own thing. And so now I consider that to be part of the byproduct of what has been a prevalent um issue in sports media is still 90 percent white i mean it, it it is it's like it is way too white way too male and that is the perspective you're hearing all the time so when you have people who are younger black latino they get tired of that they're like wait that that's not even what this is culturally you don't even understand my community you don't understand anything about me so tell you what you do that over there i'm gonna do something else over here so i think that's also a lot of what we're seeing today i think players want to control their own narrative 
And I think that's that's the shit that really drives, like you said, the traditional media. That's the shit that drives them crazy because players want to control their own narrative and they don't want to like feel like they can't control their narrative anymore. Cause a lot of media guys making up lies. We just saw with Stephen A and Lonzo Ball last week. Like I don't like how that was handled because you said right. something about the guy that could have been very damaging to his like his future earnings or his career or just his mental health, right? You could have really done something to him by putting him out there like that. And then for him to make the video saying, look, bro, keep my name out your mouth. You're wrong. Your information is not true. And then you did, and, and then for him to double down on it, that's the credibility part and the accountability part I think you're speaking on. We need to see that cleaned up. Yeah, and but it's also, too, and this is not to give Stephen a, a, an excuse, but I, I do think some of that, that's what I was talking about, about when you talk about sports every single day and you are in that, when you are under that pressure to have to create content every single day and do all those things all the time. I mean, he's the face of ESPN right now. And I'm sure Stephen A understands what that responsibility is, but it comes with some downside. It's like the downside is that not going to always be right. The downside is you're going to mess up. I certainly messed up plenty of times, you know, on air. And it's a lot of shit. I would, I would, I wouldn't say a lot, but there's some definitely some things that I should, I would take back and probably should have been a little bit more accountable for. And you, I think you do get caught up a little bit in the machine of having to create all the time and as you have seen so many times it gets some of us caught up and um I, you know it, it would be i do think i agree with you in the sense of like i think people will be um much more impressed if they feel like you know they know you're not going to be perfect and they know you're not going to be flawless and but if you when you do something that is in error and it may have been unintentional if you come to people and say hey i fucked up my bad they respect that and i think most athletes and players will definitely respect that, you know, as a, as an aside, but on the same kind of topic, like if you look at the situation between Ryan Clark and Tua and, you know, I, loved it. I love how you handled yeah. that. Yeah. He handled that. Like, you, you know, even, it, yeah. Who, yeah. With Tua, like, like, you know, did you think what Ryan Clark said was like way out of line? Cause I saw mixed responses. See, I, I thought, you know, he like, got his across, and then he like, he dragged it. Like, yeah, I mean, what was funny is like I didn't even know what Ryan said to Tua addressed it. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, he said exactly." Like, Me either. <laughs> I, I, I had no idea, and I think most people didn't know either. And it, it was tough because, and, and admittedly, you know, Ryan's a friend of mine. So, um, but if he felt like knowing the kind of guy he is, if he felt like he was wrong, then I don't. That, that's why he apologized. But I, I guess, seeing it to be honest, I, it didn't feel like that big of a deal, but. But I get it, though, from Tua's perspective. It's like he's had some injury issues. Um, you know, there's been some, um, you know, there, there's been always mixed opinions about whether or not he really is a franchise quarterback. And even though I think um, maybe one thing that has changed genera generationally with these players is that I think the players are, uh, today's players are a little more honest about when criticism actually stings. Like, Oh, the older generation, they don't give a damn if they went home and cried all night about something you wrote. They would never tell you. Like, pride would prevent right. them from telling you that what you said right. like, <laughs> hurt, my, hurt my feelings or, like, I didn't like it. Like, they just, you know, they just wouldn't do it. But the players these days are much more reactive. And I think that is a product of social media because they're used to They're hearing it so much. There used to be right. a little, yeah, a little bit of, yeah, there used to be a moat between what the play, what the fans thought 
and even what the uh, media thought because like you had to read it in the paper but now because of social media it's like constantly you see the clips they're making blogs and all this stuff like everything they do is just so scrutinized and so i think the level of sensitivity in players is way different now than what it used to be and i think this is kind of representative of that but i like the way you know ryan handled it as well he felt like he was wrong and he stood 10 toes down and apologized can you imagine jamel if the bad boy pistons had social media back in that day <laughs> them, I mean, bulls back in the day well, well, number one, if you just think about, I mean, I'm just picking a moment. If you just think about when they walked off the court on Michael Jordan, how that might have played today would have been, it would have shut Twitter or X or whatever the hell people call it these days. It would have it shut it down. Or yeah. even when you think about when Dennis Rodman said that basically Larry Larry Bird was mediocre and, and it was just as white. That's the like right, yeah. that's, he just white. That's basically what he said. He ain't good. He just white. And Isaiah agreed with him. I was like, oh hell no! Like that that mm -mm, that would. That's real crazy. talk. Because if you if, imagine if Draymond Green said that about Luca. <laughs> And then Steph doubled down, don't he? Yeah. Oh, In this generation, we would laughing. never hear it. We would never hear the end of that shit. They were laughing when they did it. I know. I'm telling I like, you, that, bro. That, that might be like, you know, it might get thick enough to get somebody drunk it for real. Like, it's just, it's not the same. So, to some degree, there's parts of me, and I, I try not to be old woman yelling at cloud. Like, I really try to give a lot of this generation, like, a lot of grace because. We tend to romanticize the generation that we were in, whatever generation, you know, when it comes right. to music. Or, yeah. yeah, certainly when it comes to to, to sports. And so um, that, that's why I would, I would never say like, oh, these players today, you know, people like to say they soft or they too sensitive. I was like, nah, they just, they're just not with the bullshit, probably. I mean, and we just not, and frankly, a lot of people not used to having boundaries set on them or being held, you know, accountable for some of the things that they, that they do and say. But, you know, best believe that, um, you know, we, we've been talking about like, you know, the relationship between the media and players. And I think it, this is another crucial reason why that locker room access and just generally getting to know guys that you're covering and talking about why that that being missing these days is is bad is because there also was a trust that developed between reporter and athlete in the sense of like, I remember when right. I was covering the NBA, I started, you know, covering um, the NBA in probably like 1999, 2000, it was right when the Pistons like was really, really getting going. And I was, I, I did the NBA playoffs like every year, um, when they were on their run in the, in, in the Eastern conference. And, you know, you, you'll go out. Cause a lot of times the media, we're staying in the same hotels as, as the players. Right. So you might go down to the bar. You might see a dude coming in at two, three o'clock in the morning. You might see a dude at the bar without his wife or with somebody who, you know, wasn't his wife understood cold. Ain't nobody saying shit. I didn't see shit. I don't care about that. That ain't my business. <laughs> these days, <laughs> like these days, I think exactly, exactly. These days, somebody mm -hmm. gonna phone out. It's just not that same level of like, hey man. I know you know we ain't don't always see eye to eye, but what I'm not here to do is be TMZ, and that's just that, that you know that part of the game is missing. You know what I mean? Right. So who who were that's nasty player. media. <laughs> That's nasty media. You you always stood on integrity to me. Like you spoke it, you know, black excellence. And you're a black woman in a real highly syndicated media. That's honorable. You know what I'm saying? Not about 
seeing niggas at the bar and all that. But in right. general, <laughs> you know, you speak on what's real and you stand on what's real, no matter what happens. That's why I say you're one of the standards. Lexi, of course, as well. Of course, Cuffs, myself, all that. But what you represented when we saw you was like one of the first real black women that was talking it like that and stood on it. You know what I mean? I love well, it. We love it. Thank you for saying that. And some of it too, and, and you know, maybe this is where maybe journalists of my generation, um, and it's not across the board this way. Like, I don't want to paint a, a completely negative light um, about my uh, profession because I think it's still some very good things that happen and very good people who are involved. But the reason I had that attitude is because I had mentors. Like when I was covering the NBA, it was an older beat writer who been covering the Pistons for, for years, Perry Farrell. Perry taught me the game. Like he had been covering them forever. Like guys like him, um, cause when I was in Detroit, like Rob Parker was still there. Um, and- uh, Tell Rob Parker, Parker to stop hating on LeBron, Jamel. Tell them knock it off. <laughs> can't stand, knock, boy. Knock it off, Rob. I, I've been on your show with Broussard. The jig is over, Rob. Shout out, oh, Rob. Oh, God. Right. But you know what? Rob, Rob is taking a lot of younger journalists under his wing. And yeah, he, has, he, you has, know, he, has, he has done a great job of being a, a wonderful you know, mentor. And it was like the black writers in the, who were covering the NBA, they all in some way, a lot of them took me under their wing. Like, no, nah, I said, you do it like this. Nah, this is how you got to talk to him. This is what you got to say. This Go talk to that guy. Like, it was it was a different in, environment. And I would just be curious as to if things are still like that. And I, I, I'm not sure that they are because it's hard to build that camaraderie. Again, when you're doing everything by Zoom, where the access, you know, these teams are also limiting access like never before. I mean, hell, the media used to be courtside. Now they up and Rosie somewhere so it's it's like those that's where you know that that trust is is kind of developed when a guy sees you every day you know like one of my rules when i went into the locker room was that every you know when i went in there i wasn't always gonna go in there because i needed a quote or needed something i just come in there and shoot the shit with somebody i remember when i was uh, uh in orlando um you know as a columnist for the orlando Sentinel, like i would go in the, in the magic locker room and me and Keon Doolin be shooting the shit about Young and the Restless because we both watch Young and the Restless. Shout out to Keon, my God. Yeah, that was my boy. So, like, those are the kind of things that you miss. And because of that, you know, guys like, say, a Barkley or even some of the stars, they would look out for black reporters in a different way, right? They like, okay, I got an exclusive. I'm going to give it to you because I'm trying to help you on your career. Like, it was just the respect level was just different. And now, uh, you know, I I just don't know that it's there in that same way. And that and that's what I said about gatekeepers and that gatekeeping energy. Like for those guys that do that for you, that propelled you your confidence. But like that propelled you in many ways. Yeah, it did. I mean, it, it had a huge reason in terms of like boosting, you know, my career. Is that I mean, they knew I wasn't gonna be biased. They knew that like, hey, if you do some shit, man. I, Ain't shit I could do, right? Like, I mean, I'm going to be fair and I'm going to call it like it is. I'm not going to go out of my way to try to destroy you or anything like that, but I got to call it like it is. I, it's just, it's the way it works. They respect that part of it. So they're not, a lot of them, I mean, you have some that are like looking for favorable coverage. It's like, I can't, I can't guarantee you favor. I can guarantee you fair. That's a different thing. And so, um, you know, like I, yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's just, um, like you said, the, the, the gatekeeping, the way it works in sports media it's just very different, but I think it's different 
in terms of the explosion of other outlets of the platforms like you got this platform you know now to to have your own show this this did not exist 15 20 years ago and so i think that's a great thing in allowing non-traditional voices and by that i mean people who you know didn't have some linear path in, in sports media allowing them an opportunity um you know to be able to to give their thoughts and opinions on the game you know you got cameron and mace with a sports show never thought i'd see that <laughs> how do you feel about it? how do you feel about that show i love those guys i love the energy because my quick assessment jamel lexi and i feel like with cam and mall i'm sorry cam and mace like they set a precedent, but I think they were making a mockery of the media, and now they flipped that shit, and that now it's eight figure deal, all because they just made a mockery of the old traditional sports media. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that they realized there was an audience that you know wanted something a little different. I mean, they had fun, and I think sometimes, um, you know, in the traditional settings, that you can take yourself. A little too seriously or the, or or sports itself a little too seriously i said all the time i was like yo we talking about sports ain't nobody saving a baby from a burning building like it ain't, <laughs> ain't that serious man it right? serious. It, it's right. not but then it, but then you know the the i think the fan sensibilities have changed a lot like i you know and, and granted you know my perspective has like evolved like i said when you caught up in the machine and every day I got to come into Sports Center or come into his or hers, and we got to have 10 topics. We got to have 10 topics. Okay. And so you tend to frame, we tried hard not to frame everything around, you know, bar, like the barroom argument or the barbershop argument. Like we really tried to, like, some of it was, was fun and, and unavoidable, but we tried to have like more nuanced conversations. So it wasn't always like such and such is great, such and such sucks. Like, it's got to be some balance in there. It's got to be some in between in there. Like everybody who doesn't win right. a ring doesn't suck. Doesn't you know they don't suck. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the fans are are. I sometimes I don't know that they have fun. I was like, man, NBA Twitter gets so miserable. I'm like, do y'all have fun? Like, what is it's, happening? It's a lot of, I think what's happening on and Lexi, me and Lexi have spoken about this. A lot of the trolls, Jamel. I know you fucking deal with more trolls. I see your timeline. It's like every time Jamel Hill tweets, it don't matter. You can tweet about Peach Cobbler, a flaky crust Peach Cobbler, and you're going to get trolls. Lexi has joked about it. I joke about it. And, and it's not really on Twitter as much as us. But can you talk about the trolls and the dog abbeys? What is wrong with these people? I think it's a real mental <laughs> illness. It's a real mental yeah, illness. The the dog abbeys and the Oakley sunglass wearers, <laughs> like all of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, the, the flags and the avatar. But um, yeah, I, I just, you know, maybe you know, the money in it, I think, has changed the expectation level of fans and that it does, now that they see so much more about how the sausage is made, that they it makes it harder, I think, for most fans to like really enjoy the game the same way because it feels like, you know, they, they having their innocence shattered like all the time. Yeah, like I the college, the conversations around like college sports in particular, like really are fascinating and, and sort of drive me crazy because, you know, like I, they they get more enjoyment because they think they're broke. Like you realize that these schools been cheating this whole time, right? Like everybody, this is not new. Right. You know, everybody knows. Everybody knows this, right? Like, and you just feel like, okay, I guess maybe your innocence has been shattered. But um, you know, the money has changed things. 
I think, and, and the money, not in the sense of how much players I'm making, although I think that's part of it. I think what fans get charged now to even attend a game. I mean, there's so many fans that will never get to see their favorite team in person because of the cost of the games. And these are the things that really amp the, um, the level of expectation up. And also we're now in a fantasy culture. And listen, I played fantasy football for many, many years. But it gives – it is very – and I was commissioner in, in two <laughs> leagues before, and it's like it got to a point where I was like, you know what, I truly want to spend a Sunday not being mentally traumatized by everything that's happening. I've seen friendships in, Jamel, over fantasy I'm, football. I, I'm just saying, like, it just – it got to be at a point where I felt like I wasn't even enjoying the game the same. And it's like I'm a 49ers fan, and I just felt like – Man, I'm not even sitting here every Sunday watching entire games of my own team. I'm like watching whoever is the most important player in the moment on my fantasy team. I was like, nah, this got to end. And so, but fantasy, the culture of it has made people in a bad way feel like they own the players. Gambling, all that stuff. And it's like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. because of that, it's like not the, the fun element in sports gets lost. and. Um, you know, I think, you know, people, I know people can be very critical of shows like Undisputed and First Take, but to be honest, they kind of are representative of like the sports conversation I literally see every day unfold on social media. Because they're stealing our shit. They're stealing our content. Don't get stuff started on that. (laughs) Lexi, you can speak on that. Like, you're a current player right now. You deal with a lot of that troll shit. Like, if you don't play or if something's going on, like, they they do you the same way. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been dealing with it all season long. Like, the way fans and media members now, too, how they just feel like they – deserve an explanation or they they are like we're obligated to explain every single thing that's going on in our lives like it's so it's it's been the strangest thing because i've never dealt with an injury before i've never dealt with not playing um you know obviously not playing because i wasn't getting minutes but like not playing because i physically can't play and i've just never dealt with so many eyes being on me and just like wondering what is going on and just feeling obligated to know everything that's happening and that's just kind of been a weird experience for me this season um but i mean it hasn't like driven driven me crazy i deleted twitter for most of the season and got away from a lot of it um but speaking of our season jamel i i haven't asked any media people this but they took the locker room access away from people who cover the w how do you feel about that because I, I had, I've heard both sides, you know, a lot of our players don't really like the, our, the people that cover our league, to be honest. So a lot of people I know were very excited to have the media out and obviously for privacy thing, being a women's locker room is different, but like, we pretty much have like no relationship with any of the people that cover the W anymore. Um, um, yeah, I think that's the problem. It's like, it's really the who and not necessarily the what, um, you know, it was eye-opening when I, you know, again, going to, to cover uh, Brittany's, um, you know, first game back, her first, the first official game, not, not the preseason, but the game that was uh, on ESPN, because so much about that dynamic had totally changed. And, um, you know, I think you're right. I think it probably has a lot to do with who's doing it. Like, I covered the WNBA's first year in existence. Um, the good old Charlotte thing. I'm sure Cuff's here familiar. And... Mm-hmm. 
Anthony um, is in Charlotte too. He's a Charlotte native. The Sting. Oh. I'm from I'm from Charlotte. <laughs> the yeah. Sting, Don yeah. Staley and them. Yeah. Andrea uh, Stinson. Uh, Andrea Stinson, Rhonda Map. Yeah, all of them. Rhonda like, Map, yeah, all of them. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, like then, I mean, they had the same locker room policy as the NBA, which was 10 minutes cool cool down, then locker rooms open for like 30, 40 minutes. You go in there, you're able to talk to a lot of, you know, different players, you know, get your quotes, get your game story in, boom, you're done. And also develop relationships. You got shoot around, locker room access was open before the game, you had locker room access. So it was really like a lot of really good access to players, which I thought was beneficial, especially when you're talking about the league. At the time, that's a startup league. You want people to have access so they can write, you know, good stories and they can bring the publicity to the league. Um, I mean, I still don't think it's a good idea. And the only reason why I don't is because I don't like that teams, like the, then the teams get to cherry pick who they want to put before the media, right? Yeah. Because like, if you open up the locker room and it's 10, 12 of y'all in there, oh yeah, I've talked to Brittany a thousand times. Maybe I want to go here and get a quote from somebody else and talk to them and get their perspective on something. Right. And that's not to say that they would necessarily um, get a, you know, put a roadblock. Like if I did have a player that in particular I wanted to request that they didn't bring to the post game, but it is a little bit harder. And then if you do that, then they bring them to the post game and you have a whole media scrum in there. And it's like, nah, but I want to get an exclusive up there. I want some content that ain't nobody else got. Because I got an yeah. idea maybe that somebody else doesn't have. And now they're able to piggyback on my idea. Um, but, you know, I don't, uh, you know, I agree with you in terms of, um, you know, I don't want to paint a broad brush. But I understand why the players would be kind of upset with how they're covered. Because even when I covered, you know, that that game with Brittany, like the, of course there was a lot of questions about Brittany as it would be, because it was, you know, a nationally televised game, my first game back. But even among the writers who are not the writers, but the media that maybe were there a little bit more frequently, it was interesting listening to their questions because I had to question like, do they watch this team? Or like, it's like the lack of information in the question is apparent. Cause like to me, the most disrespectful thing that you can do when you're interviewing and sit down with somebody is when you're not coming to the, the conversation and form, you could tell by my question, how much I know about your team right, or how much right. I don't. And so what I often have seen in these kinds of situations is that people who have very cursory knowledge and are kind of unapologetic about their ignorance. And I could see why that would piss the players off. Yeah. And it does. They're highlight, they're highlight watchers, Jamel. They highlight watchers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And yep. Yep. yeah, yeah. So that's that's our responsibility and our job. And that's frankly a you know, a lack of professionalism. Like when I was covering college football, like I was a Heisman voter. So you know how many games I had to watch in a weekend? It was absurd. Like the number, but I had to be informed. I had to know, like, mm-hmm. okay, if I if you know, if I'm you know, filling out this ballot, consider what's at stake. You're talking about the highest honor in college football, it's disrespectful if I don't do my homework, if I'm not watching the games. And you can tell when people, I know athletes, they know, they smart. They can tell who's been watching and who hasn't. That's yeah. that integrity. That's that integrity part right there you speak about. Right. That's real yeah. talk. It's, it's the way I was raised in the business is that, like, you were supposed to, you know, grind it out. And um, that I know a lot of people probably in their mind think, oh, I mean, is it really that hard to be paid to watch? you know, games or paid to go to games. Like, well, when you've seen like 1,200 of them, <laughs> it's like it could be. It's, it's, a, it's a lot. 
Yeah, well, what I was I was explaining to my husband, he was asking me in my Mondays as a sideline reporter. I was like, that's the hardest job that I've ever had at ESPN because uh, I was doing the Friday night games. And let me tell you, every every Monday, it was a FedEx at my doorstep every Monday with what looked like faux textbooks. And it was just information just about the two teams that were on the schedule, you know, for that week where I'd be a sideline reporter. The amount of information I had to hold in my head because I wasn't covering – it'd be one thing if I'm covering Alabama week, every week. I know about Alabama, but when you get in them Utah States in there, when you get in them BYU yeah. in there, when you got them Central Michigans in there, you're like, oh, my God. Like, this the is Bowling like – Bowling Greens, them Bowling Greens. Bowling Greens, man, I'm mm-hmm. telling you. And so there's an element, and I, 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 this is why I do talk to younger journalists about this all, all the time, is that, you know, you have to really be dedicated to the craft. If you are in this job just to be famous, if you are in this job just to be on TV, if you are in this job just to be on ESPN, you're not going to make it because those things can't sustain you. Like you have to really exactly. have a love for not just sports. You have to have a love for journalism, a love for telling stories. That's the part that you need mm-hmm. to be working on. And part of that is being as informed as you possibly can. That's a dope point. Jimmy, and then because we'll be, oh. I, feel like, I feel like having clout is more important than having actual talent now with a lot of media people. Yeah, because like the one question that college students ask me, I absolutely hate this question, is when they ask me, how can they build their brand? I'm like, do some work. That's how you build your brand. Do some work. It's just that simple. I was like, you know, I, I think I used uh, Adam uh, Schefter and I might even use Stephen A as an example. Like when I was coming up in the business, Stephen A was covering the 76ers and he became one of the best NBA beat writers in the country. That's how he built his name. I mean, I know y'all see him being all bombastic, you know, on air. And I know you have your issues with him. I know you see him doing all that stuff. The reason he got to be Stephen A is because of the grind that he put in in the early part of his career. And it was the same with Adam Schefter. I mean, I believe Adam used to work in Denver. And he became, you know, the Adam Schefter, not because he just magically um, made it happen out of thin air. It's because he could report. So it's like if you concentrate on the craft and concentrate on doing your job well, the brand part, whatever that means, will come. Oh, that's a real gem right there from the OG. The OG, oh. Jamil Hill. Do the work. I- I'm inspired. I'm inspired, Jamil. <laughs> for that's sure, for sure. Do. I mean, y'all know what it is. Like, y'all all grind at, at what you do. And, you know, this is part of putting in in the work, developing the content, caring about the content. Like, y'all care about the content y'all put out there. And to your point, Cubs, it's just a lot of people that don't. It's a lot of people, whether good or bad, just want to trend for a couple of days. And it's like, that's not that's not going to be able to sustain you. Because people, they want authenticity. They want to feel like um, you can not just entertain them, make them think about something, make them learn something maybe. Like, it just can't be about you just having these sort of viral moments here and there. Yo, Jamel, we held you for a long time, but we're going we're gonna to ask you, to keep it spicy right here. We want you to keep it spicy. Couple rapid fire questions from me, oh God. From Dan Morrow, <laughs> Lexi Brown. I want to <laughs> ask you, keep it all the way mango habanero spicy Jamel Hill. Who wins <laughs> Who wins in air hockey? You or your husband? Who's winning air you hockey? You know what? I feel like I feel like he put you up to this question. That's what I feel like to see. It's okay. <laughs> so 
We have played air hockey many times. And let's just say I'm down in this series. He is a he's lot, on a little bit of a, a lot of L's. You're getting a lot of L's. I'm serving L's over here. I'm serving L's. I beat him a couple of times. He beat me a couple, and then it kind of became a beat a bit of a runaway train. So I will I will give him for now the current title of being the best air hockey player in the house. So Jamel, who is your all-time favorite hip hop group of all time? Um. Okay. I mean, it, it's really only it really boils down to two choices, but I'm gonna pick this one. Um, and and I'm not you know because people are gonna be like, but what about this album? That hey, he asked me one. It's the Roots. The Roots is my all time favorite hip hop group. But it's it's oh, hard yeah. because because the Roots are really a band. But the reason I picked the Roots mm-hmm. is because because Outkast is like literally right there. Um, but. I would, the reason I picked the Roots is because the Roots have become like family. Like, I have a personal relationship with them. Um, I love to, you know, love to read, love Quest Love. Like, all those, yeah, all those dudes have been so wonderful, you know, to me over the years. Anytime they perform, Quest to hit me up. Like, it's it's just so much love. And um, I think they appreciated the fact that when I was at, uh, you know, ESPN, like, we use um, the next movement as our, the roots were, because um, we used to talk about them in interviews, and I, I forgot how we wound up connected with them, but I think they may have seen it, because we used to compare ourselves to the roots in the sense of, like, you know, the roots, um, they're, I would never describe them as, as underground, but I heard Questlove talk about this in an article once. It's like, you know, the roots are not going to be McDonald's, as in a billion so, but the people that fuck with the roots, fuck with them hard. And so that's what we always want to be with people is like, we wanted to be authentic and real. And like, we didn't need to become, you know, not saying that like we, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have wanted to have like some, you know, set rec- uh, record ratings and stuff like that. Like, of course, everybody who's in TV wants to have the best possible show when it comes to ratings, but we much, we prefer the love, like the love that I still get from, you know, my time at ESPN and particularly from his and hers that made all the things that we had to go through to just get that show done every day worth it. So we always thought the roots were like our spirit animal. And I've been into the roots since literally a day one. Um, Cause back when I interned at a newspaper in Detroit at the Detroit free press, I was actually covering music. They put me in the music department. So one of the first CDs that dropped on my desk was the roots. Do you want more? And I've been a fan ever since. So that's my group. Those are my guys. All right, my question is, who is going to win the WNBA championship this year? Mm. Oh, as we're talking right now, the Aces of Liberty are on. So I was like, oh, yeah, I hope I get to see yes. the second half. I know. Okay. I mean, look who's winning. I, I don't know who's winning. Don't. Okay. What do you have? They got their numbers. So it's so tough, but, but I love, I mean, I know, I know the ladies don't love the, the word super team. I know, I know, and I understand why, but this feels like this is going to be another moment to have two of these teams that, you know, that are so incredibly talented, so deep. Um, I, but I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick the aces though, even though it just feels like, oh, I could easily, I had 10 additional reasons um to also pick the liberty but i think i'm gonna i'm gonna pick the aces like obviously asia wilson is like taking it to another level i love kelsey plum candace is my homie so it's like ah i'm gonna go with the aces 
That's a fair choice. That's a fair choice. So Jamal, now, is that your choice? <laughs> of course not. It's LA Sparks are winning the championship. Duh. I know. I yeah, know. Let's go, Lexi. Let's let's talk your shit, Lexi. Let's I go. was messing with you. I know. I felt so bad. I was like, oh. no, no. Trust me. I mean, that's been the narrative all season long. I'm glad that they're living up to the hype because the worst thing that could have happened is the games and the the matchups were not as amazing as everybody was hyping them up to be. So I'm glad that every time they've matched up, it's been entertaining and. And everyone has played like people have had like record breaking performances all season long. So it's been fun. And I've really been like a spectator all season pretty much. So it's been it's been a really fun season for us. Yeah, I, I think overall really I, I mean I think overall it has because I'm trying to think of the last the last Sparks game I was at uh crap, who was it? Um as a fan because uh I said I was gonna I say I'm gonna do it the last three years because I've only been living in LA. Or it'll be my fifth year in October, but I, I swear to God, I'm, I'm going to get season tickets next year instead of dropping it in another yes, game. Please, please. Yes, I, I need to get season tickets. I'm, I meant to do it this year. Time just kind of snuck up on me, and, and I didn't get a chance to do it. But next year, for certain, y'all will see me courtside. I will be there every game, every Love home that. game. Looking forward to it. I'm going to hold you up to that. All right. <laughs> so, Jamel, you're from Detroit. We know your history growing up in the D. Who is your all-time favorite Detroit Lion player, not named Barry Sanders? Well, here's the thing, Cuffs. I mean, in the interest of full disclosure and transparency, I have never been a Lions fan. Um, and so, yeah, my, my husband, unfortunately, he has that particular affliction. But though I'm very happy when <laughs> the Lions do, do well because so many of my family members are Lions fans and for their you're mental tired, health. You're tired of the misery. You're tired of the misery. Man, I'm telling you, I was like, how do y'all do this to yourselves every week? This is horrible. <laughs> so this year, you I'm really hoping. a long time ago. You jumped Man, when I was a kid, they were so bad. Like, so bad. I mean, so, like, bag on your head bad. Like, terrible. So, like, I just never, we just never clicked. But, um, and I hope really this year that they live up to expectations a lot of hype I, I don't even remember the last time they would have been a division favorite um but you know not named barry sanders i'm gonna say probably calvin johnson i mean like i, I yeah. love watching him play like who who didn't love watching calvin big johnson play big, big yeah, george they, big george tech homie big george tech yeah. homie my brother yeah yeah and then and then plus you, you know people in detroit tend to have a, a, a even deeper affection for the athletes who stick around after they play. Like Calvin still lives right. in Detroit, right? Like that's why we love, I mean, like, of course, Barry Sanders was a phenomenal player, still lives in Detroit. So it's like those guys, like they became not just, they weren't just athletes, they became true Detroit citizens. And we have such a deeper respect, you know, for people who do that because, you know, Detroit, is not an easy place to love from the standpoint is like we we have what i call a perception problem like chicago no matter what is going to be cool new york is going to be cool miami's always cool la is cool we don't have that automatic people think we're cool factor so when people like they love our city so much they stick around it means a lot to us jamel we held you hostage for over an hour this is the last question this is very vital this is very important y'all Jamel Hill, you're married, you're traveling around the world. I got to ask you this question. How does Jamel Hill, how do you eat your steak? Is it medium, medium well, <laughs> or well done? I got to know. This is very important information, Jamel. It is. And so this is, 
and let me let me give you the philosophy behind the choice okay so i do i say i tell them medium well but i know they'll make it more medium rare which i'm fine with so what i don't do is well done i don't do that and i don't do steak sauce yeah don't do, do that they yeah. do that. Are, you, are you embarrassed if you're out with your family members and they order a well done steak? Because I can't get my pops to order his, his shit medium well. I can't do it. Man, it's generational, man. Like they came from a different time where they like and you know, I mean on some real shit, we have to understand the trauma of why they do that. They do that because typically we have lived in neighborhoods that we don't have good meat quality. So everything Facts. had to be everything had to be basically fucking burnt for us to like yeah. to trust <laughs> that we could eat it, all right, and that it wouldn't there would be no salmonella, uh, 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 none of that. You know, you shoot, you talk about that. I was like, try getting uh, uh, somebody black from a certain generation to eat some sushi. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Right. <laughs> how about you, Lexi? Lexi, and how about y'all? Medium well, we doing medium. What y'all doing? I'm a medium well. I'm doing girl. medium well. Go ahead, go yeah. ahead, Lexi. Down, go ahead. The first yeah. lady, go, go. No, you're good. I'm medium well, but I'm not eating meat right now, red meat, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. I don't really <laughs> eat I don't really eat steaks like that all crazy. My pops was like a five star chef back in the day when I was a kid at like steak restaurants. So he make them like I wanted, but he eat his steak damn near burnt. <laughs> but I understand that. He's an OG, them old school guys. Man, I'm telling you. Talk. I yeah. I just wanna I'm, I'm gonna just say this. I got one question and I got one observation I had with you and your husband, which was dope as shit to me. But I want to know what's your fashion shoe of choice in terms of sneakers? Because I know you get fly. I saw you all the time get fly. <laughs> I want to know what's your fashion shoe of choice? Was George, Adidas, whatever it is. So lately in the last, I'm going to say three to four years, I've developed an intense designer sneaker problem right mm -hmm. so, like yeah, so the, yeah yeah the yeah i don't have any balenciagas i don't love those you know i haven't seen a pair that i love so the the right. last man like i got like four pair of Google gym shoes right so um but my husband he bought yeah. me uh for my birthday he bought me these louis vuitton ones that are unreal and that's probably my favorite shoe of the moment that i'm you know stepping out in because the beauty i love about living in la is that you could be going to a business meeting and everybody in there got on kicks like there it's like it's just not a ain't a whole lot of business casual going on in la so having i think that's why right. you do tend to see so many people wearing like you know the versace gym shoes or the gucci's or uh i got some ralph lauren's that are also like real hot that i love so you tend to see that you know more so uh, of course women gonna be out here in manolos i got some manolos some jimmy chews i got i got all of those as well but um you know probably like my my shoe at the moment is like these louis vuitton sneakers that i got mm, big flex also want to <laughs> acknowledge um which was dope i saw y'all was in a pool and he was quote unquote he went on with rihanna oh yeah and that whole <laughs> That shit was funny as hell, man. I had to show everybody that. That was dope. But, um, oh, yeah. we, we, you know, it's dope to see that. You know. <laughs> yeah, you can't come. <laughs> it was dope, man. But, nah, that's yeah. all I wanted to ask, man. 
Well, I appreciate yeah. that. It, like my my husband is like he, um, you know, among the many reasons why we work is that, you know, he's somebody who uh, like can, who can make me laugh, and he's got like such an infectious, positive, you know, personality and everything. And so it was. I was definitely uh, early on. I was very drawn to his sense of humor, but he and he does that stuff like off the top of his head. Like he ain't he like sitting down writing nothing out. He I, like I didn't had no. No, it's just regular. It was just like that's just how that's his personality. We gonna take that's one live caller. We gonna take one live caller. I got my guy Chaz. He's been waiting to ask Jamel a question. You live on amp right now with Jamel Hill, Cuffs the Legend, Lexi Brown, Amp Morrow. Chaz, my guy, what's up? I appreciate it, bro. Jamel, I I, I have a something I want to know. Uh, a few, a couple things. Um, so when you guys were talking earlier about, you said you had a Heisman vote, and I think some of the um um. The people have like the all NBA votes. Don't you think it would be better in the future? Because let's just say you have a bad run in with the player and you can you can say you can be professional. But the human the human side of everybody, we tend to hold grudges. Don't you think it would be better if instead of them, you knowing the person that you're going to vote for the name that they just put player A, B, C, D, E in the numbers. And that way it will take the bias out. And then the last part is, you know, they. They said something earlier about the fans and everything and 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 how we're demanding. And I get it, like on both sides, but there's so again, there's so much money involved. And the thing that bothers me is that when they want when the players want the fans to support, it's oh support me, but then then at one time they want their privacy. So it's like make up your mind. I mean, a lot of people watch the game because a lot of people gamble. A lot of people wouldn't be interested in it if they didn't have uh money involved in it, especially football. It's a little different from basketball because most of us grew up playing it. But but don't you think maybe that dynamic should change and maybe it might make the relationship better? Well, you know, my biggest issue with the the, the all-NBA, you know, voting, and it, it wasn't always like this, is that I don't think the media should be voting on anything where it's tied to the player's money at all. Um, right. I think that's a, I think that's a conflict. I, I, I don't know why they would ever have a system that way. Um, and you know, and listen, <laughs> I mean, I'm if the players want to do vote for all NBA and all that, that's fine. But do realize you're not going to eliminate bias because you think a dude, a dude like dudes hold grudges too. Just <laughs> the players don't hold grudges against other players, or they're going to vote for their guys and not like really who is representative of, of maybe who should be the best at that position. But my bigger issue is not that. The bigger issue is that it shouldn't be tied to a player's contract in, in any way. Cause I think that gives the media way too much power um, because th you know, this is supposed to be ultimately a celebration and recognition of, of well-deserved, um, you know, hardworking seasons. It, it, it should not be tied to their money. Now in, in terms of like, you know, the, the fans and the players, I hear you. I mean, the same thing works for, you know, entertainers and musicians. It's like, it would be naive and foolish of anybody who's in the public eye to think you can control the attention. And yes, I mean, hence why I think the mature players understand and the younger players eventually learn that you might get booed one day, cheered tomorrow. It's the way it works. Um, I do think that because you enjoy being entertained by them and you enjoy watching them, that doesn't give you a right and entitlement to certain information. And that's a different conversation depending on, you know, what we're, you know, talking about. Right. But, um, 
I think it's a slippery slope because you know, I think players just have to be realistic with this. Is that, hey, if you want some of this shoe money, if you want these big contracts, if you want this commercials, it's going to come with you having to open your life up a little bit. It's going to come with you being under scrutiny and with people being invested in you, particularly as you just mentioned, if they're gambling on you. But I think there's got to be some boundaries, boundaries that can be set that, you know, like I, I think I think probably, you know, we've seen a lot of this. Like this wasn't a thing, of course, like 10 years ago. But like when you see these fans that's getting tossed to the game because the players are like, uh-uh, man, just because you come here and you buy this ticket, you ain't going to be up here talking crazy to me. Now, that's one thing. They're talking boom. crazy to players now. But they talking crazy. And I'm like, hey, man. Tell you what, y'all ain't gonna be happy until you just get jawed. Like you just it's not gonna get of, happy. It's a, it's a lot of racial. I see. I feel like a lot yeah. of these fans, man, they come to these games now and they're unleashing a lot of the racism on the players. They feel like, like you said, they're entitled. They got good seats. A lot of privileged kids. A lot of these dudes is getting escorted. They kids, teenagers. Yeah, I it's know. Not, and then it's not. Hey, cut. Not to cut you guys off, but you know what? If you get like I play poker, right, and I and I, and I gamble, it's because. Like you guys is right. The racism is involved, but a lot of it is because people have money involved. Like I've seen people playing the poker and they're throwing the the rack at the dealer because the, the <laughs> because <laughs> the dealer don't put the card on that they want. Like it gets brutal. So I think a lot of it, yeah, a lot of it is racist, but a lot of it is people got so much. Like you said earlier, fantasy football. I mean, I'll be betting parlays, individual individual stuff. Again, I I, I played not on a professional level, but I understand that you know most of these players do the best they can and still duck me in the shoot. Out, but we'll get to that another day. <laughs> but anyway, but I appreciate. It. Thanks for the, taking my call, Cuz. But I listen offline. You guys, great show as usual. Appreciate you, brother. Yeah, no, but he's right though. It's like you know, you do have uh, fans that they go to these games and they got you know money riding on it, or just in general, it's just this. It's again, it's that feeling of ownership, like you work for me. It's like. Mm, 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 mm. And because of that mentality, and I do think there is definitely a strong undercurrent element of, of race. And because there's always been this idea that because they've, quote unquote, allowed black athletes to advance to a certain position, financially, social status, that they are, they somehow owe the people that are watching them. And it's like, eh, relax. And so... Um, they're bringing all that to these to these games, and so I'm glad that players have sort of taken their power back and they're getting these clowns about the game. There y'all have it, y'all. Jamel Hill, she gave us a, over an hour. I am gratefully indebted, Jamel. You pulled up here. So many gems to unpack. Let the people know where they can follow Jamel Hill, what you got going on. I know you got the memoir, the book, Uphill. Talk about that for a second. Let the people know what you got shaking, Jamel. Well, Jamel Hill across all social media, as you mentioned, book is available now wherever books are sold. The paperback of it is coming out October 10th. Uh, working hard in the edit bay. Um, I'm executive producing Colin Kaepernick's uh, documentary, which is directed by Spike Lee. So we are getting Super that together. Dope. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, really looking forward to it because I think it's going to be really powerful um, and shape-shifting. So uh, you know, uh, this Hollywood slowdown has been a little excruciating because I had some projects in the work. But other than that, um, you know, life is good. Still writing for the uh, Atlantic. And, um, you know, my podcast is, is available on Spotify. So anybody want to check out any of those episodes, the 242 episodes in, 
You're Whoa. more than welcome. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, 242, man. Hey. <laughs> hey. Pop that shit. Talk it. <laughs> I love that. But Jamal, we appreciate you coming through. Like I said, we're gonna we're gonna stay in touch. NBA season is around the corner. NFL. Who you think gonna go to the finals this year? Who's your early finals predictions for the NBA this year? Let early finals. Well, you know what? It, it, sometimes do you, you believe the hype? Do you believe the Phoenix Suns hype? Do you believe the hype out there in Phoenix with Bradley Beal out there, Kevin Durant, Booker? Yeah, I I think that's that's probably to some degree a, a, a safe pick given the level of talent. Um, but I, you know what, you know who I want to see it just do it again, just to see if they could do it, and just because it feels very much like it might be it the last one. I want to see Golden State win it. I really do because you know um, uh, you know in addition to being a, a fan of, of some of the guys on on the team, it's just like I like it when. You know, I like it when you see that champion, and I know obviously they didn't win it this past year. Um, I like this idea of them making a last stance. Like, I, I think that's kind of dope. But look, I, let me not hate on – I mean, I think, you know, Phoenix is a safe pick, but shit, let's not hate on Denver, man. Like, that that team is, like, still lethal as hell. I think they should and deserve to be the front runner heading into next season. How about in the East? Is, is Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, you've seen the bag they got. It, yeah. Are the Celtics going to get over the hump? Man. I want to see Jason Tatum take that step this year. I, you know, I do too. And it felt like he was taking the step. Like he's always been good, so I'm not saying that. But it felt like he was like really, really taking a big step last year. And then you know they got a little, a little bit derailed. Um, when you look at the group, it's funny like how much differently things are the narratives now versus what they used to be, right? Like when you look at how many Eastern Conference Finals he's been to already, just this young stage in his career. Like, what he's going through is what we would normally see the progression of a team that eventually became a champion. And it's funny how now the narrative about them is like, oh, you know, it, they, they, they window is closed. And I'm like, what? They're like, mid-20s? What are you talking about? They babies. Yeah. They babies. And, <laughs> and, like, what they've accomplished so far, and I, and I know what the ideal goal, obviously, is to win an NBA title, but I think it's crazy that people have already put dirt on this team. I'm like, I still think they're very good. I just think they just have one more step, um, you know, to kind of get over over the hump. And it, and it very well easily could be this season. My biggest hope for this season is I need my Pistons to be relevant again, man. We got we got, we got to be relevant. I, you know, like we, we, gave, we gave Monty Williams 70-something million dollars. You know, we got Kay Cunningham. He's got to stay healthy. I love Jay Niden. I love the kid that we just drafted this year. Like, we have the young core. We need, obviously, I think we need some more veterans. But, like, they got to take a step to where they're, like, flirting with the play-in game. They got to take a step. Right. Right. I yeah. think we're gonna see that. I like what I Troy Weaver and those guys are doing over in Detroit. Like I like Jalen Duran, the big man. Like I, I, I think Detroit Pistons are headed in the right direction. Yeah, right. I, I hope so yeah. too. I mean, because I, it's, it's like it's gonna kill me. Because uh, now I feel like whenever I say like, yeah, when you know the Pistons won the title, people be looking at me crazy. Like, no, they really did win an NBA title. I'm telling you, mm -hmm. I saw it. <laughs> yeah, you was there. <laughs> I was there. I was there. I'm telling you, was there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm like, man, they yeah. just like it's been so long since we've been relevant. Like people are like this team used to be good. Yes, we used to be good. <laughs> it's coming back. Shout out to Troy Weaver. Bear had them had them booty shorts on. Marcus, <laughs> Adrian, yeah. Dantley. Adrian Dantley, yep. 
Jamel Hill, the icon. Thank you for stopping by the Some Dude Show. All right. I appreciate y'all. Y'all be easy. Yeah. For sure, Jamel. All love. Yo, yo, that was that was an icon, y'all. That was an icon in the media, especially for all brown girls, brown boys out here aspiring to get into this shit, bro. Facts. Yeah, that was dope. I knew she was. I knew when you told us 30 minutes yesterday, I said, he's lying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's good for us. Yeah. She wanna lead the squad. Yeah, so much. So many gems to unpack, like the gatekeepers, the new media versus the old media. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to this because she was dropping some real gems on here, man. I swear she was. Lexi, you too, first lady. You know you always do. Because you know, you know how. Thank you. So how do y'all feel? We watching Team USA right now. They kicking ass in the FIBA World Cup. And speaking of Team USA, Lexi. Oh, brother. Speaking of Team USA. And the American flag, we seen Noah Lyles, world champion of what? Like, there's got to be the sound battle. (laughs) World champion of what? The United States? He sounded like Soldier Boy on that. Honestly, the conversation that it has started online is actually insane because nobody is talking about track and field. So, did you? I listened to his full statement or like whatever he said prior to that because he didn't, that wasn't like a standalone comment. Right. That was like, uh, I think he like had obviously that had been sitting on sitting in his spirit for a while. And I oh. guess in that moment he was like, all right, all right let me just say this because what he was saying before, what he was saying really amazing things about like the struggles of being a track and field athlete in the United States. And then basically about like visibility and no one wants to watch track unless you're winning and he's winning all these gold medals and he's still struggling to for brand deals and viewership and blah, 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 blah. And then he says that at the end. And now everybody is talking about the NBA instead of you winning your gold medals. So he kind of like shot himself in the foot and that like, that's where I thought it was weird. Cause I was like, why would you use this moment to do that? I'm not gonna lie, Lex. I'm not gonna lie, Lexi. Before I saw that viral clip, I don't really watch a lot of track and field. I did as a kid, you know, Carl Lewis days, Ben Johnson. That's way back in the day, though. But like Michael Johnson. But like I did, I w- I wasn't familiar with his game. I didn't know who Noah Lyles was before this soundbite. So I think maybe he might have been clout chasing a little bit, Lex. Yeah, I ain't no little bit. He definitely was clout chasing. Yeah, for sure. Ain't no clout chasing, bro. What he said, like, Why did you? Was it wrong? Technically, like, yeah, it is the National Basketball Association. Why are they world champs? But like, them being world champs has nothing to do with you being a world champ, and exactly. you being a world champ has nothing to do with the NBA teams being world champs. And why did he choose uh, NBA? MLB yeah. are world champs. NFL are world champs. We're world champs. Like, it was just, it was odd. Right. So you're, was saying, why, you're saying, why did he single out the NBA out of... Yeah, like, he could have just said sports. American sports. He Are we keeping the spicy right now? Keep yeah. Keeping the spicy, like, right? This is what we do, right? Like, did someone take Which one of them NBA dudes that right. mess with one of his girlfriends? Like, <laughs> Bro, you could have said any team in the world, and you pointed out the NBA. 
Right. And like, all them dudes respond. You are in Budapest, Hungary, fresh Come off on, two gold medals, and you think about the NBA. Like, right. that's weird. That's why I thought it's one of them dudes that mess with your girl or something. I'm with it got weird. I'm with Anna. It got weird. Yeah, you feel I, some I, kind I, of way. Now you got a platform. I'm just saying. I feel like what happened, and I agree with you. He found. <laughs> I'm just asking stocks. the question. He found some <laughs> NBA stocks in the laundry basket. He found some <laughs> NBA stocks in the laundry basket. That's what happened. <laughs> Lexi, Lexi, keep it real. Keep it real. Hey. Keep it real. Hey, bro. Now, listen. Hey, bro. Bro, listen. Did he you find. What are, you know hey, no, listen, bro. Hold on. I'm just, I'm not saying nothing about me. I'm just saying in general. I'm not putting myself on the stand. <laughs> if he found one of them dry fit practice shirts, oh. he feels oh, some kind of That's yeah. on the if, if that's what happened, that might be why it was just the NBA. I'm like, bro, why you just say the league? Yeah. Bro, you could have said no, all sports. sports. The world man. champion of what? Sports. I'm like, damn, this somebody that want to chip. He, he found that in that laundry basket. He said the United and you see him posted in, in the mirror or something like that with her hair done with them eyes and the eyelashes. Bro, <laughs> what happened? You mean world champion of what? This is the best players in the world, bro. And Lexi, y'all too, you know that. The best oh, in the yes. world. Best in the world. Yeah, bro, what the hell is you talking about? Yeah. Why are we pointing us out? Argue that, then let's talk about the Olympics where the USA yeah, dominates the Olympics as well in basketball. So it's like, I just thought it was, it was just weird. I was like, come on, Noah. This is like probably one of the biggest moments of your life. Uh, this is the most yeah. I've seen track on my timeline in a long time. And hey, I was Hey, Lexi, I knew I knew I knew he struck a nerve with the NBA players because I saw the comments. But when I saw you Donis Haslam in the comments, I knew. <laughs> the OG. Oh, what does he talk? And I'm not downplaying anything Noah did. Cause I'm I'm proud of him. I love to see a black man win and you know, everything, whatever. You know what I mean? And be successful and all that. I'm not downplaying anything about his career. But bro, come on, man. Is this about going viral or do you really feel like that? Because if you really feel like that, you got to have some kind of affinity just to well, point out the no NBA reason. guys. There's no reason. It's weird. Because it's weird. If they take away the world champ, like you're still a world, like none, that doesn't have to do with one or the other. It was so, such a weird outlandish comment he made. And I mean, people are agreeing with him, but they're still like, okay, like, but what was the point of you saying that? Like, there has to be something weird going on. I ain't expecting Shakar to agree with him, though. I ain't gonna lie. What'd you say? Shakar Richardson. I ain't expect him to, like, because you said what you see, like, why they landed on the sword like that. And we've been supporting her. Yeah, like, everybody's been. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, come on, baby. Like, come on. Wins anything. Everyone's like, yeah, USA, da 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 da. And y'all get a little bit of attention. Y'all want to try and divide? Like, it's weird. Yeah, like, man. it's a don't it's do that. A, that's that's the part I didn't like. Like, I don't. I agree with you, Lexi, a hundred percent. Like, it felt like a divisive comment when it didn't have to be. Like, it was a random straight for no reason. Yeah, yeah. and then they started, and now you have yes, Kay Richardson doubling down on it. Why? Like, every time she wins anything, even when she was losing, any it's even when she. 
got in trouble for the weed. The NBA players were like, that's bogus because exactly. what? all we do is smoke. And why are y'all like, everybody had her back. And had, and every time the USA does anything, all the athletes in the United States rally behind them. So for them to like say that, then double down on it is like, it's just odd. I thought it was odd, but hey. It was weird. Knock it off. So I was like, knock it off, Noah. You, you know who else needs to knock it off? I gotta, I gotta keep it spicy on here before we go. I gotta keep it spicy on the Some Dude Show. Keep Anthony it spicy, Morrow, Lexi Brown. <laughs> I gotta keep up Mango Habanero, Ja Morant, Ja. If you're listening, I know this is gonna oh. find its way to you, Ja Morant, my brother, my brother in Christ, Ja Morant. <laughs> Look, the rebirth. The accountability, the rebrand is crazy, John. Knock it off. We don't care about none of that shit. We want to see you play <laughs> basketball. You I'm had sorry. a trampoline in your backyard, John. You grew up nice. You had a full court. Yeah. You know how many kids didn't have a full court? We only had one basket. We were lucky to find a basket in, in the neighborhood to play basketball. You had a full court, John. You come from a nice two-parent household. Cut the shit. Knock it off, John. The jig is hovering, John. Just play yeah. ball. <laughs> There's no imaginary beef. Stop the imaginary beef. Nobody's out to get you. There's no ops. You have no ops, John. There's no ops. No, no, There's none. I'm, I am. I mean, I'm happy that he's able to like, he's, he was able to like shut it down, like as far as socials and lock in. Right. And whatever. But it's like, sometimes you just got to let, like, obviously no one is like, caring about that situation anymore like the punishment was set he's getting he's missing the games and everyone's like all right it's handled we're gonna move on so it's like here you come with the t-shirt like rehash right and then people are gonna like have to let the jokes fly but i mean i get it like there i mean he has there's a story to tell and that's like what like even jamel was saying like the blurred lines of entertainment and sports like this is going to be like the whole storyline for the Memphis Grizzlies is Jaws' redemption arc that he invented and created. So redemption arc is funny, and, and, and that's and that's real because like one of my closest friends, he's a security guard. He's from something South Carolina where Jaws from. He's actually his cousin. He just don't ever tell nobody. And he was telling me about how it is in something. One of my homies from Columbia was telling me about what Sumter is. They call it like Murderville. You know what I'm saying? But I'm like, bro, not to play devil's advocate with this because it's no excuse for what bro was on. But you look at yourself and they look at you like you on some like Tupac shit or something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, you're not. You're not on that, bro. We know where you come from. The real people that know know where you come from. But when you get in that league, and I've seen it, I'm like, bro, you know you're not like that. Chill out. <laughs> and then dudes go to jail. I swear to God, they go to jail. They end up getting in situations where they're getting robbed and packed out and stuff like that and all this and baby mama trip. I'm like, bro, just be yourself, bro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Be yourself, bro. Like, make this money. Come in there. Get your stats. Jai, you a superstar. That's it. Just move like that. Because at the end of the to, day, bro, yeah, to, all that, bro, look at the people that they are glorifying. They either been in jail or they're dead. So I tell them, when you get in that league, when you put that Jerry West logo on your jersey, 
bro, you better play that game. You, that don't mean you have to be like a soft person or something like that. You, you, you don't have to bring all the homies. You don't have to bring and be with all the girls and go to struggle. You don't have to do that. Them dudes are getting fined, going to jail, all kind of shit. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's the main thing. Like, we know where you're from. We respect it. Everybody respects it. But when you get into the point where you're losing, like, half a million, 20, 30 million dollars in advancements for making all-star games and shit, you tripping. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's real shit. Cause I see, I know what that's gonna look like. So just how, based how, off how hard was it and for you and Lexi, y'all both pros, you ten years in the league, Lexi seven years, I think. How hard was it for y'all? Did you have to cut certain people off because you had to have that tunnel vision? You had to eliminate and eradicate all distractions. How hard was that separating from certain people on your way up? I'm gonna let the first lady go first. I mean, it's I like we're not we're not stepping into generational wealth like the NBA players right. are, so it's definitely right. very different, but um, just the way our lifestyles are as far as like one, our season's in the summertime, um, and then we go overseas, so it's like, you for us, it's like less about not like cutting people out that are like trying to leech onto you, it's basically like people, you gotta cut people off for making you feel bad or making you feel mm -hmm. away or chasing your dream and prioritizing certain things, like going to well, Europe for seven like, months. Like, like the, entitlement, the entitlement part, right, Lex? Yeah, there's like people in your life that like are not helping that process and that experience be enjoyable and they're not helping you through that. They got to go or they're going to ruin it for you. And I know it's like completely opposite for the NBA guys because you want they get to stay home. They have all this money. They got people in their face all the time. And for us, we're isolated a lot. So it's hard for us to like have to cut people off. But like for our mental health and our happiness and for us to achieve things you want to achieve, sometimes you just got to let people go. And yeah, it, it does get lonely sometimes. But um, in the long run, like, it, I mean, it helped me. Like I had to cut off a ton of people the last like year or two that just weren't helping me grow. And That's real salt. Yeah, yeah, it hurts. It hurts. Yeah. It's so much it's so much truth to that, bro. Like I, I had to cut off like thirty people that yeah. not cut off all the way, but y'all had y'all gotta stay your ass in Charlotte. Like you can't be moving around only Yeah, bro. Like I'm the only one ever made it from where I'm from. What's Boulevard Charlotte, bro? Like for real. And them they will vouch for that. You know what I'm saying? So like we was around Georgia Tech, all oh, that's cool. The league, okay, now is strictly politics and i gotta be at work and i didn't look ever look at basketball like work i love it to this day like i loved it i was four years old but i only had my brother child my brother miko my blood brother miko and thank you and um my cousin jonathan clark jc and those was the guys that was around lewis clinton with the georgia tech me but he was all playing overseas but at the time i had those two guys that they was with me in Golden State, in Jersey, and in Atlanta, and that, like, everywhere. I could always depend on them. But it was two guys. All them other dudes, like, man, I'm going to be a manager. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do that. I said, but what have you managed outside of yourself? <laughs> you see what I'm talking about? You man, I just need 25000 a month, bro. You ain't managed nothing, bro. What am I doing this for? You can write it off. I ain't even had no foundation at the time. 
You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I didn't even know how to manage money for myself at the time. You telling me about what you're going to do to manage me? Come on, bro. You know what I'm saying? So you get guys around you like that. You getting per diem. You getting all this money. You getting this. You getting cash everywhere, all this. You just giving them that for them to feel like they need to stick around you. And then they give you this false narrative. I'm going to protect you and take care of you until that money ain't there no more. Right. If you're not protecting that bread, then you don't have nothing for 10, 15 years later. You see what I'm saying? I made sure I did that my second year in the league. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, well, let me get rid of all this other shit and these other people who I still love and rock with, but you're not going to have no position. Now, my homies that I had, I turned it from 30 to two people. And they know that. And I, I kept it like that. But I think Ja, he a baby. So he's still understanding it. But he gotta, he don't have to say that. Like, he don't even understand the type of level of superstar he is. I always say, I said, look. I agree. Yeah, I see he's Allen Iverson. To me, like, not like in a bad way. I mean, like, for where he playing, his style of game, and the style and the dance and the shit, like, I said, man, he don't understand that right now. You know what I'm saying? But he's understanding it now. Because mm -hmm. I'm like, boy, you're going to understand when they put that orange shoe on you or something, bro. You know what I'm saying? Based off one of them dudes around you. You got to stay away from it, bro. I think it's bigger. He's not a bad kid. He's not a bad kid. I agree. And I think it's even bigger than Ja Morant. I think it's a product of the youth right now. Lexi, you got a, a brother yeah. that's a senior. My daughter, my youngest daughter's a senior in high school. And I, I prayed like crazy this morning, her going back to school and just covering her because it's like the stuff I see on the news, the mental health stuff with these kids, these shootings, a lot of these crimes in the inner city, like where you're from, like where we from, it's happening with a lot of young black boys more than anybody. Like yeah. the young black boy demographic, I ain't gonna lie to y'all. When I go and I'm out and about or I'm eating at a restaurant or I'm at the mall, I'm a black male and I've, I'm older than these guys, but I'm looking at these kids. I can feel that energy, man. And it's the music. It's something in the music. I don't know if it's some type of frequency, but I really feel like that's a prevalent thing right now with the with the, with the black boys in our community. Like I feel like there's a lot of lost souls, and I don't want to see Jack go down that road because he is the role model that these kids are looking up to. Yeah, and I don't think that's the road he's going on. Like you said, he has he does have a really good circle, and I know um you know some people in his circle and they all like real good people i think this is just some some growing pains he's going through like honestly like just put your phone put your phone down don't record everything i think lex froze up on us it's all good. She right though, man. Everything don't don't have everything on that phone now, bro. Everybody got that phone now. That everything ain't got to be documented, brother. Everybody know who you are. You cool. You don't got to be this, that, and other. You know, but I I think he really just, you know, way from and how he looked at and and what he is and he didn't he don't he now realizing that I am a real live superstar. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't realize, like, when you sit at that house by yourself and then you seeing everybody saying this, it's like, I didn't realize I was that. You know what I mean? I'm just hoping I'm young. I got money, got girls, and that's normal. He should, I mean, he's a kid. He's young. But then when you see it, when that trouble start coming, oh, shit, I ain't realized that. 
I do think you know I think we live in a generation now with like we're all guilty of it sometimes, but these athletes, they sometimes don't understand, like you said about having your phone out all the time, it's too much oversharing now for, for yeah. a lot of people in society. Like I had to be on my kids and, and have to be mindful of that with my kids because like when we go to restaurants, bro, like I don't post nothing when I'm out in the world. Yeah, no. I, I leave ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll be uh, back at the crib. It's over. I might post it the next day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I the next day, that. yeah. You know what I mean? When that happened with PMB Rock at Roscoe's, I was like, yeah. oh, no. Mm-hmm. That was really sad. And people were like, oh, he was, it was a hit. It, no, it was weird dudes watching him on socials. And then they saw an opportunity. And I think that's terrifying. And it's yeah. really that that happened. So, so Morant, sad. More of the story, John Morant. We're rooting for you. We really are. But knock off all the bullshit, man. Okay? There's no redemption story. <laughs> <laughs> you had the trampoline in the yard. You're good, bro. We're rooting for you to win, John. We want you to win, my brother. Yeah. I swear to God, we love you, man. I was Murray State. Campaign told me about him before because they both went to Murray State. He told me about him before. He said, now this other dude coming in is different. And then I saw him and I was like, yeah, he's going to play in that. He's going to play in our league one or two years. So, like, man, he'll be all right, man. Hey, y'all, before we go, I got to let the people know we live on AMP. This show will be available likely tomorrow, right? We got the Josh Howard episode up now. If you missed that episode with the Wake Forest legend, 2007 all-star josh howard former dallas mavericks he dropped a lot of gems on that episode man for sure and we got coming up wednesday we got the og georgia tech alum nba veteran current player for the toronto raptors right now we got thaddeus young coming up pulling up to the some dude show y'all thaddeus young he's doing some amazing stuff off the court business ventures we're gonna tap into that and then we got a special guest coming. I'm not going to break the news yet, but we got yeah. somebody. Uh, I want to say, well, how can we describe it? At 20, we can say 2016 NBA champion. That's all we're going to say right now. We're going to tease it. Mm-hmm. 2016, 2016 NBA, NBA champion. champion, my brother, high school Illinois. legend. Oh, Many stories coming with that one. These next yeah. two episodes are going to be crazy. So we're going to ride out, y'all. This is how I'm feeling tonight, man. You know, we had Jamel Hill on the Some Dude Show. Make sure y'all go to somedudeshow.com. We coming with some visuals very soon, y'all. Lexi Brown, we see her terrorizing Instagram with all the looks and the style. My boy, <laughs> Aunt, my boy, my boy, Aunt Morrow, he doing his thing. I'm doing my thing. We coming very soon, y'all. So I appreciate y'all for tuning in tonight. And we're going to ride out to this Rick Ross Anthony Hamilton joined Icons because we had an icon on the show tonight. Jamel Hill. Definitely. Appreciate you, OG. Lexi Brown, downtown Lexi Brown, get healthy. We want to see you out there. Aunt Morrow, you already know what it is, my boy. Carolina. You know what time, you know what time it is. Lexi, you know what time it is. The first lady. <laughs> you know what time it is. I appreciate y'all. Some dude show. Maybach music. Yeah. yeah.
Down here in the ghetto I can see them running down my eyes So I gotta make the song cry This is where dreams are made I can see them running down my eyes So I gotta make the song cry I just came to get the millions I just came for the millions Young ho See you, nigga. I got the blueprint in my back pocket, nigga. I did what you told me, nigga. Look at me, nigga. I got so much fucking money. Too many bitches that homies can fuck them funny. Winning in real estate, opening restaurants, and I really don't give a fuck who rolling the next blunt check. Real nigga born, Carrot City race. See you, nigga, scorn. I wasn't phased. It was a phase. Look at my face, I won a race, I set a pace As a fat boy, had to catch my win Get my laps on, double back when rap is spit Them niggas know what's up, they throwing peace signs Fuck that, I'm holding up an E sign Get in my way of my money, you know what happens Niggas finding you funny and then they clapping Round of applause, you looking at an icon Snatch a bottle off ice and I pull my mind on Persuasive. I know a few masons. Crack dealers need me as they motivation. Started at the bottom, blind leading the blind. I did it by myself, so it took me some time. No Dr. Trace, no Eminems, no Neptunes, no Timberlands. Just doing him, and I do it again. Self-made, real niggas feeling him. God forgives, and I don't. It's what the street said. You and I know it's on to the beef, dead. Rest in peace, hater. As I get a massage, no longer a dawn, a fucking icon. Fucking icon. Get enough out of this A motherfucking icon.